Hello and welcome to Cody Underground, the podcast. I am Cody Willard. It is April 9th, 2014. And this is Cody Underground. Today's episode is going to be a Q&A. I do a Q&A every Wednesday on tradingwithcody.com with all my subscribers there, a live Q&A for about an hour or so, usually runs longer, but um, today's was really good, and I think from now on, on Wednesdays, when I do that uh, Q&A on Trading with Cody, I'll uh, record it as a transcript, basically, probably I'll riff and ad-lib a little bit, knowing me, um, but for the most part, I'm going to read some of these cues and give you my A's. Question number one. After this pullback, Cody, assuming you had none of the names in your portfolio list, which stocks would you recommend scaling into with a first tranche right now? Love that question. The easiest way for me to advise him or her on the stocks that I would start scaling into right here, right now, would be to advise you to take a look at my latest positions, which you can get for free right now if you sign up on Scudify for free and ask for the one-month free trial on Trading with Cody, where I list all my positions. Every other week or so, I put up uh, latest positions to update if I've bought or sold anything or if valuations have changed. At any rate, I, look, I do it by uh, weighting and by rating. And so, going back to this question, to, right now I'd look at to start buying uh, into about maybe one-fourth or one-third of each of the highest-rated stocks in my portfolio list, and I'll give you guys some names right now. That would include Facebook, which is currently the only nine-rated stock on my list, and as I noted the other day, I bought some Facebook uh, when it hit 56, and oh, yeah, had a nice little rally so far, but I haven't sold any of those shares, still holding them, um, and it's back to being my largest position again, by the way. Other stocks I'd take a look at uh, would be some of my eight-rated stocks, including Intel, Invencense, JDSU, and Apple. When I say a nine-rated or eight-rated, I'm rating them on a scale of one to ten um, in that portfolio list that I'm referencing here. For, for aggressive traders right now, I would might take a look at starting a position in some of those Yandex call options I bought recently. Mentioned that here on the pod, on the podcast the other day. Um, bought some August uh, 28 to 34 strikes um, call options. If you don't know what that means, don't even try to do those trades. If you want to do some common stock, you know that's probably what you should do. If you don't know uh, what expirations or strike prices and things like that are, there's a time and place for everything, and there's a time and place for me to try to teach about options trading. It's not right now in this Q and A. At any rate, another place I would look uh, putting on a, a scaled-in position here, a tranche position, would uh, look at short-selling or buying some long-term puts on the EWY, which is the Samsung uh, heavy. Uh, con it's heavily concentrated in Samsung. It's a South Korean ETF, and it's the only nine-rated short position from my latest positions that I'm using to guide me throughout this answer here. 
Question number two. Hi, Cody. All is well here in sunny San Francisco. Went to the Giants home opener yesterday, which was a blast. Being near the Valley, I wanted to check in on your 550 July call, Apple calls. Um, lots of talk about an iWatch Q3 for holidays, etc. And maybe more, but the talk is just that, Q3 and Q4. Are you still confident of a pop by July, or would you consider rolling out? July is just three months away and a disappointing uh, first quarter earnings report could be trouble for the July 550s. No? Thank you. My answer, by the way, it is a beautiful day here in Alto, New Mexico, too, where I'm recording this. My dogs this morning, as the sun came up, got to try to run some big old elk off of our, I guess, our 40-acre backyard. It was hilarious. My red healer Lobo really went after the biggest elk he could find and started nipping on its heels like a healer is prone to do. The elk jumped around and then jotted a couple of steps, turned right around and just looked Lobo in the face and <laughs> almost like laughed at him. Lobo came running back, sat down in front of me, you know, like and sat there like a statue basically, I'm sure, protecting me. And my great Pyrenees just sat down and looked over the elk as if it was her own flock. It was pretty funny. At any rate, beautiful morning here in New Mexico. To answer the question about Apple, if I were to buy new Apple call options right here, right now, I would definitely go out f further than July, which is what I had bought. I bought some July uh, call options uh, with the 550 strike prices, a, I don't know, a month or two ago when Apple uh, was a little bit lower than it is here now. I think I'm about break even on those options. The stock is up a little bit since then. And um, I don't know that I'd actually buy call options right now if I were going to buy Apple. I'd probably just look at buying the common stock itself, even for myself, if I were to add any new Apple exposure to my portfolio. The questionnaire is certainly right that a disappointing first quarter earnings report would hit the stock. But I do think there's a pretty good baseline case that the stock will stay above $500. And I'm going to tell you right here, right now, the momentum players, especially in this bubble-blowing bull market, zero interest rate, Federal Reserve risk-on-trade environment that we have been living through, those momentum traders get back to looking at Apple. That stock will, even if they just sniff it, that stock is going to run $100 or so in a month question is if or when, right? Neither way. That's the big problem with options is that they expire. I do think at some point next year or two, maybe in the next month or two, uh, the momentum guys will start coming back towards Apple and that'll rally it. And, you know, at some point that might actually get sold off again. Uh, take the pitches as they come and be patient, of course. Question number three. Hi, Cody. I noticed that you trimmed both Goog and Google. Those are two stocks that uh, were recently split off of Google, G-O-O-G and G-O-O-G-L. The question continues, how do you value the Class A versus the Class C shares? Do you see them trading roughly equal values even if there are no voting rights for the C shares? Thanks. And my answer, it is always difficult to try to differentiate the value between voting versus non-voting shares, but in the end, the only difference is how much voice one versus the other gives you as a shareholder. Now, 
I'm not a very vocal shareholder to Google. I don't know that I've ever even bothered sending in any of the stuff, uh, proxies and stuff that they send out to me, and I don't know that I'd ever plan to. Um, but, and if you're a retail investor, you probably aren't going to have much voice whether you have voting shares or not anyway. You just don't have enough of a slice. Uh, since both shares, though, in the end, are actually earnings participation equity in Google, the company itself, meaning that if earnings grow, like we discussed yesterday on the podcast, over the next few years, then both the Goog and the Google shares will participate in that growth and have uh, the benefit of that earnings growth and the shareholder value that that would create. So I don't know that I'd be too choosy in trying to pick out Goog versus Goog L um, when you're using them, buying, selling, trimming, or whatever with them. Um, I'll probably just hold both of my Goog and my Goog L that I got from the split as I've held the stock for many years and um, although I did trim a little bit of both the other day, like I've talked about, uh, you know, I do a little bit of tranche buying and a little bit of tranche selling and, uh, have a core position that I'll hold for many years in a position, in a company that I believe in, like Google has been. At any rate, I've got both and I'm probably just going to end up holding both and won't end up choosing one over the other in the Goog versus Goog L. Question number four, got this question actually on scudify.com today, quote, how would you suggest someone youngish with, say, a few hundred or a few thousand dollars to put into gold or silver and looking to build a long-term position in some precious metals? How would you suggest such a person get started, Cody? My answer actually comes from Michael Haynes, the CEO of Atmex, which is one of the world's largest precious metal exchanges. He just joined Scudify.com, and he is really vocal and putting out some great, um, in a, interesting and thought-provoking comments on the scuttles over there on scudify.com, and he answered this question himself today, and I didn't have to. The question is, uh, silver bullion coins like the American Silver Eagle or the Canadian Silver Maple Leaf are both low premium and very recognizable, which means they have good liquidity. To really hedge the long-term purchasing power of the dollar for young people, it would be best to allocate from each paycheck a certain amount towards silver bullion coins, both silver eagles and silver maple leaves. Um, with some time and experience, diversification in both the form of coin or bar you are buying, the size, meaning how many ounces each of those uh, bars and coins are, can be realized along with the various metal types, meaning you're going to be diversified across silver and gold. Probably starting out on that type of a dollar amount, if you're talking about a hundred or a thousand dollars to start with in such a an asset, I would go right with what Michael's saying there. Uh, probably look at the silver eagles or the maple leaves and um, not necessarily gold. If you've got thousands of dollars, I would certainly put at least a little bit into gold. And if you've got tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands or more, I would put much more into gold than I would into silver, maybe three to four times, three time to one or four to one uh, as much gold as you do silver. I'm taking a look at uh, platinum, by the way. Uh, I haven't finished that, as I noted yesterday in the podcast. 
question number whatever we're on now, five, I think. I really like your broad outlook, Cody, on revolution investing. Amazon started out as an online bookstore. Google started out as a search engine. What are some possibilities for Facebook to move away from just a social media destination, that is, ancillary businesses or something outside of their current scope? What can you imagine FB becoming in the next three to five years? Great question. I love this one. And my answer is, thanks. first of all, thanks for the kind words. And second of all, yes, we do want to get that broad outlook and look over years, as I've noted before. It's the key to big money in the stock market is to buy a great company that grows huge over several years or decades even. At any rate, his insights about how Amazon started as a bookstore, Google as a search engine, and they morphed into much more than that is right on. Facebook's next three to five years or so, probably the next three or so years, say three to five years will likely be focused mostly upon accelerating their revenue off of the existing businesses that they've got and those existing platforms they've got, as well as creating new revenue streams from that existing user base and the platform and the apps that they have. Now, looking out past, say, three to five years, seven to ten years out, Facebook is going to be the, probably one of the world's largest Internet service providers. They are going to have drones and towers and satellites that they hope will be keeping all of their users in constant connection. That's probably the vision that Zuckerberg's putting together right here, right now, based on those acquisitions he's been doing of some drone companies. And he's talked about uh, trying to wire up everywhere, everyone around the world. Seven billion people on the planet, and Facebook currently only has only has, uh, well, uh, one point something billion, 1.4 billion, I think is the latest number or so, which means, you know, there's still four or five times as many people on the planet that fit, that Zuckerberg eventually wants on Facebook, and he, I think, plans to be their underlying service, internet service provider to help them get on that Facebook over time. Um, I also think Facebook will become an increasingly important video and entertainment distribution outlet, and I think you could end up watching even the Super Bowl, or more more likely sooner, the NCAA March Madness, or the House of Cards, TV and Netflix series, or even Scandal Season 12 or 14, or whatever will be out there in five or seven years. Maybe you'll be able to just stream that right on your Facebook platform from any of their apps or their site or whatever people are actually using to access the Facebook concept and platform in seven years or nine years from now. Of course, there's also Facebook payments, Facebook phone service, and maybe which is why he's in WhatsApp. That's why they bought WhatsApp for $19 billion recently. And maybe even a few Facebook devices of some sort. I don't think there will ever necessarily be a Facebook smartphone per se, but something beyond that, I do think there will be Facebook devices, much like there are Amazon devices uh, today, uh, though they're not yet an, an Amazon smartphone. That's probably coming in the next year, too. Amazon smartphone, no way. Smartphone from Facebook. There's your answer on uh, the Facebook long-term future and how that might morph from here. Question, feet to fire, Cody. With the Fed minutes just released, do you think we may have the start of a 
I'm making sure my thing's still recording there. Yeah, it is. Um, Feet Fire, do you think we may have the start of a bottom on this latest current pullback? And will this bounce we are currently seeing be sustained? Markets were up big after the Fed released some minutes saying that they're going to keep pumping welfare money into the richest corporations and biggest banks' pockets uh, for the foreseeable future in the name of creating jobs or whatever. BS, they, they like to say it is for, um, but the market did bounce big. My answer to this guy, I don't know that there's really much more surprise to be found in any Fed minutes or meetings or announcements until there's something different but besides they are leaving 0% interest rates and quantitative easing and the other forms of welfare for giant corporations and too big to fail banks that they are currently using in their, quote, extraordinary emergency measure uh, psych, part of the cycle that we're in right now, despite the fact that bank profits remain at all-time highs. That is, I still think there's a good chance we'll actually see a 10% pullback in the Dow or the S&P 500 or something even a bit harsher than that in the NASDAQ before we see the next big leg of this ongoing bubble-blowing bull market that... Uh, the larger context in which uh, these cycles, these near-term cycles are playing out, uh, they, in which they are playing out in. Um, boy, I slaughtered that prepositional phrase, didn't I? My mom hates it when I end a sentence on prepositions. I try not to. Two. <laughs> but I just did again. Um, Anyway, I, as I mentioned yesterday, I wouldn't even try to game any short-term market swings with your portfolio other than maybe making a few tiny moves and buying and selling tranches as price and time that move, like I mentioned, we always should do. Uh, I personally remain mostly net long with lots of exposure in uh, you know Google, Apple, Facebook, and some other high-flying net uh, tech stocks, and also a few low-flying conservative stocks like Lindsay and Calgon that I mentioned in the podcast yesterday, LNN and CCC are the symbols there, um, most of which the, I actually have big gains in those uh, from having bought them much lower in the last few years. At any rate, you always want to try to have your cake and eat it too, buy when they're down, trim when they're up, um, that's what I've done over the last few years. Um, following my playbook and taking advantage of what the market gives us, not necessarily making any moves in anticipation of a big market change uh, in the near term. Um, we're at 18 minutes here. I think I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm getting hoarse anyway. What do you guys think of this uh, Q&A format for the podcast? And please continue giving me advice, giving me guidance on how I should be building these podcasts. Uh, it's a new experience, a new format for me, and I hope I listen back to this one tonight and I'm not angry when I hear it as I have been for the first four. Um, we'll keep improving you regardless. Rock on. Today's music is Erasure, Wonderland. I loved this song back when I was in high school. I think one of my friends had the CD. This is a remix of uh, Ooh, The More. My love, the oh, the love, I guess. Good song, great remix. And me and Moses should make that into it. Take, remix that, sample it, make it a rap song. <laughs> Till tomorrow, good night.